He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Remember, I don't know if you guys ever did that when you were a child, but I did that. I mean, I probably did it for the wrong reasons and the stupid reasons. She loves me. She loves me not. She never loved me. But, you know, so, but sometimes what we do is we, we, we determine our level of love based on what we see in the natural. So this morning, I just want to, I want to talk about what love looks like. Because when we think about love, we have to ask ourselves, what does it look like? Because, you know, love looks different to every single person. It really does. It really, really does. Love looks different to every single person. Sometimes love looks like a hug. Sometimes love looks like affection, maybe with our words. We, we like to affirm each other. There's some people that you'll meet in the world that, man, they just know how to love really well. Like, they're all about love. It's like, love, 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 love. Stop with all the love. But they just love really good. And then there's people around you that don't know how to love, right? They don't know how to express their, their love, but they do love you. But they don't know how to express it. So, if I ask ourselves a couple questions today, one of them would be this. What does love really mean to you? Of course, this is just going to be a question I want you to ask yourself. What does love really mean? And what does love truly look like? We're going to go on a little journey together, and we're going to see how God's love fits into our life, and then we're going to see how Jesus displayed his love for the bride. You guys ready? Come on. <clears throat> you know, when I, I, I look back on, on my life and I think about things that I went through. You know, I, I didn't, I think a part of my life is, is, is blocked out um, maybe by trauma. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, honestly. But there's areas of my life that I don't remember. And it's not on purpose. Maybe it's the Lord protecting me. I don't know. But there's areas of my life that I, I truly can't say that I remember But my picture of love was a little distorted growing up, maybe. You know, and I can say that me kind of growing up, I, I, I feel like I, I, if I remember, and I feel like it is, you know, but that I, I was always alone. I felt like I was always alone, you know. And then, then growing up, I, I know when my, my father and their mother got separated, you know, I praise God for my mom because my mom was a, she was a, a, a trooper. You know, one thing I'll say about my mom is my mom um, was always very determined. She was a strong woman. She was a, she, she is a strong woman, um, very business oriented. She was a go-getter and she was always a, an entrepreneur and she, she wouldn't take no for an answer. She was a visionary. She is a visionary. And I took a lot of those attributes but because my mom was such a, a go-getter, she spent most of her life in school and trying to accomplish the things that she wanted to do to make, make a better life for my, myself and for her. And because of that, 
And being, you know, being a single parent, I think we make decisions based on what, what, what we know how to do. You know, you always make the better decision with the second son or daughter because you learn from the mistakes of the first one. So we do what we know how to do in that season. But I, I grew up a lot in my, by myself. You know, I grew up, so my picture of love was a little distorted. You know, um, maybe your love was different too. You know, you know, there's children out there. I, I was uh, back in my, my early 30s. I was a supervisor for an adolescent, uh, an adolescent unit of, of males and females. And what these kids were, these were custody of the state. And I saw these kids come in and they were abused. They were abused sexually. They were abused emotionally. They were abused physically. Horrible story. I could tell you stories that were horrible. And I would see these kids come in. But see, these kids never knew what love was. They didn't know what love looked like. Their love was a picture of somebody hurting them. Their love looked like all they knew was love being a bad thing. They, people would beat them or people would sexually assault them, but then they would tell them, I love you though. So their love got tainted. They had a distorted view of what love looked like. I'm going somewhere, okay? Just <clears throat> they had a distorted view of what love looked like. And because of that, they're never able to, to, to receive love, and especially what the Lord has for them. You know, I, I think, and, and if I can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my, my wife as an example and I know, I, I know she'll be okay with this. Growing, growing up with her father, her father is an amazing man. Amazing. He is a provider. She never lacked anything. Even, till, you know, even growing up all the way up until young adult, her father always took care of her. No matter what she needed, he took care of her. But he but he never told her he loved her. Now we know that he loves her. He loves his daughter. But he didn't know how to express how much he loved her. So what he would do is he would do things for her to make her know that he loves her. And then she would tell her dad, Dad, I love you. And he couldn't handle it. He would respond, Me too. Me too. Because he didn't know how to receive love because he never received love from his parents and his mom and his dad. So therefore, you can't give something that you've never experienced. <clears throat> Jesus. You know, when we first moved to Alabama, the Lord moved us to Alabama. We, we, we've shared this story before, but it was a culture shock for us. Because in Alabama, everybody loves you. Really, this is a true story. They are so full of love. 
Everywhere you go, like they just want to hug you. They want to kiss your cheeks. They want, you know, and, and, and it's like, oh, Pete and Alice Garza, oh, I just love y'all. Everybody, they're just, they love. So us coming from a, from, you know, our culture, our Hispanic culture, where, you know, family's tight, but, you know, people outside of your family don't do that. You don't do that. It's like, whoa, uh, no. That's cool. Hey, bless you. Yeah, yeah, love you. Yeah. But we, we go to Alabama, and everybody loves us. And they would say words like, I just love you. And it was even funny, man. <laughs> At one time, we were even profiled. They would switch her to our language to make us even feel better. They'd be, hola, como estas, te amo. <laughs> they would, just true story, guys. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, if we look in the Word, we'll find that love occurs 310 times. This is in the King James Version. Love occurs 310 times. And 280 verses in the Word have the first instance of love. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 27, 4, it is the very first time the word love is being used. I'm going to read this. It says, And make a savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Even in the very first verse that love is ever spoken about, it's talking about bringing honor to the Father. Because he's telling his son, bring me something to eat that I love. Right? So it's, all, it's about honor. Love brings honor. Love carries honor. Love carries, there's a weight. So I'm going to ask this question. What is love? How many of y'all brought your Bibles this morning? All right. Let's bring out our Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians. And everybody knows this verse. We should have it memorized. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to start on verse 4. Let me know when you're there. Just say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. All right. What is love? The scripture says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongdoings. Love. Let's, let's look at this, the first part. This is love is patient. I want your spirits to hear what I'm saying this morning, okay? Love is patient. According to 1 Samuel... The lack of patience will cause you to miss your blessing. 
If love is patient, but 1 Samuel says, the lack of patience will cause you to miss your blessing. Put it another way, lack of patience can cause you to rush through something. Have you ever been wanting to do something? Uh, I'll just use me as an example. I, I don't like putting things together. I'm not a very putting together kind of guy. And whenever I build stuff, I always leave nuts and bolts. I'm like, ah, oh, well, I don't know where those go. But there's always leftover bolts, right? But have you ever been in a situation where you're just trying to rush through something? And then when you're done with it, it, it all falls apart. Because you miss something in between. You know, maybe you're, you're rushing to put gas. Because you got to get somewhere, so you run, you put the gas in, and then you take off. You forgot to put the gas tap on, you know. We miss things. It'll allow us to overlook key areas. Patience requires attentiveness. Sometimes it requires us to do absolutely nothing, just to wait. Patience is love. Because see, sometimes what happens is we make decisions in our lives that are influenced by an emotion rather than his love. We'll do something that's, that's that because I feel a certain way or because I'm bothered or because I'm angry or because I'm bitter or because I'm tired, I'll do something I'll do something, but it's not motivated by his love. We become impatient in the process because it doesn't look like the way we thought it was going to look. Because it doesn't look like what I want it to look like, then we become impatient. And we say, ah, oh, just forget about it. Hmm. Remember, love waits. Love is patient. Love waits. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Love waits. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Then it goes on to say, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And then it says, and it does not dishonor others. Love does not dishonor. Listen, this is, this is huge. How can we say we love somebody and then attack and accuse somebody in that same breath? Is our love genuine? Do we, if we really truly love somebody or... or or, or is our love being tainted by an emotion? Be, uh, the reason why I'm saying this is because we use words like brother or sister. Man, I just love you so much. But the moment that brother or sister does something that does not fit your process, 
that we pull back our love meter and no longer do we love them as much as we say we love them because they don't equate to what I think their, my love is worth toward them. Does that make sense? Love does not dishonor. Dishonor means this. To disgrace, to shame, to discredit, humiliation, degradate, degradation, scandal. And then it goes on to say, love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. The definition of this is having concern for one's own welfare and interest before others. Self-serving, self-seeking. They're only looking out for what's best for them. Not worried about anybody else around them. Not worried about how it's going to affect a person in their family. How it's going to affect the the wife, the son, the daughter, the brother, the mother, the father. They're only worried about me. And as long as I'm okay, they know I love them. And you guys are quiet. Because see, self-seeking means you're egotistical. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Word says. It means you're egocentric. You're selfish. That's what self-seeking means. I use this, this terminology because I, I, I feel it best describes and we can get a picture of what this looks like. But I can't tell you I love you if all I do is continually hurt you. If I love you, you know, me and, my, me and a good friend of mine have a, a thing that we say. And we say it joking around, but I say, man, I love you, bro. And then he responds to me like, well, then act like it. I mean, it's a joke between us, but there's so much truth in this word. You love me, well then act like you love me. Because if you love me, your character, everything about who you are, will show you the love that you have for, towards me. Because love is patient, love is kind, love does not dishonor, love is not self-seeking, love is not selfish. It keeps no record of wrong. Love is a powerful thing. And that's why it's the very thing that the enemy tries to come and attack first. He will come to attack our love walk. He really will. Because he knows that if he can taint our love, that it can bring discord, and it can bring hurt, 
And hurt and discord will create division and it will bring chaos. And the sad thing about this is, is that many believers don't have a, a, a biblical view of what love looks like. Because their view and their perception of love is being based on how they saw love and people around them. So if somebody has been hurt, then their picture of love is going to come from a hurt place. Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. It's going to come from a hurt place. You know, I'm going to share because I believe transparency brings breakthrough. And in this season, I'm going to be honest, in the past three months, we have seen a level of attack on the body that's been horrendous. And it's all being done in the name of love. Everybody says they love each other. These are brothers and sisters in Christ attacking one another, coming against each other, and they're doing it in the name of Jesus. You know, I've always said this. If you want to know what love looks like, it's Jesus. And if we don't know who God is, how can we expect to resonate or emulate God if we don't know who He is? You guys okay? <laughs> Holy Ghost. This is not a rebuke, guys. I'm not rebuking nobody in here. But I'm just, I, I'm talking about the love of God because it's important that we know what true love is. Because it has been, it has been, we have come to a place where the enemy has distorted love and it's become just a word that we use and we have to value it. And we have to walk in love. We have to move in love. Hmm. We have to be able to cater to all levels of spiritual immaturities and maturities. You know, pray for your leaders. Pray for the pastors. Pray for the evangelists. Pray for those that are on the front lines. You know, recently... And I'm not going to get too much involved in this, but I'm going to share something. I was recently attacked because I chose to love somebody. Because I chose to see the person the way Jesus sees a person and not the way a distorted view of love. And because of that, we have to recognize the level of maturities of those people that are, that are coming against love. I'm trying to be very careful on, on what I, I say because... Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
ediyor. We cannot say we love people. We cannot begin to say we love people and the moment that they fall or the moment that something happens in our lives or in their lives, we're the first one to throw a book at them and to leave their side. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Every single one of you in this room, including myself, you're going to fall. And if you look at you, if you keep your eyes on man, man will always fall. He will always fail you. But Jesus will not. Jesus will not fail you. Can I just be honest? I'll just get, man, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. We've had people want to leave the church because we choose to love. We've had people come against us because we don't fit their mold. Because we're not, we've had people come against us because we forget to shake a hand in the morning. But see, people, we have to understand that if there's a tainted way that we see, if we don't know what love looks like, then we're going to respond in a way that, that God, if that's not of God, because love is patient, love is kind, love does not dishonor. He doesn't dishonor. I have a real good friend of mine that uh, that recently has had a big fall in ministry. And it's public. It's been all over the news. It's been all over social media. He's a friend. A personal friend of mine. And because of the, the nature of his, I don't want to say celebrityism or whatever, or because of his notoriety of being on television and, and people know who they are. So the higher you rise, the higher you fall, right? See, love doesn't dishonor. And in this process that this happened, many people came against this individual. They, 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 they disconnected. They, they ripped apart their, I mean, listen, it was horrible. It's still going on today. And the accusations against this ministry are horrible. It, they're horrible. Are they true? I don't know. I don't know if they're true. But I choose to love. It doesn't mean I condone the sin. Because I believe that, and, and this is important, that you hear what I'm saying, 
And I know we're live and, and people that follow us and follow our ministry as we travel. We don't condone the sin, nor do we condone if this is true. We don't condone these things. But we do believe in restoration, and we do believe in covering, and we do believe in love. I do believe in that. And I don't, I don't believe, and I do believe in repentance. True repentance. It says that the love of God leads you to repentance. The love of God will lead you to repentance. I haven't made a statement. This has been kind of, so this is kind of like my public statement. But we have, I had a conversation with, with this person, my friend. And we tell them that we love their ministry. We love him. I love them. But right now, this season, we can't walk with them. We can't walk with them. Because we believe in integrity. We believe in, in the culture of heaven. We believe in, in, in walking in true repentance unto the Lord. But it does not mean that we don't love him. Now, I say this because I've kind of had to pick up some pieces. See, love is patience. We've had some people leave the church because they didn't allow us to go through the process. Because they thought that we were condoning something. But they didn't understand that there's a process because love is patient. And immediately, dishonor is coming to the camp. But I want to say this. I want us to look at something the Lord was showing me this last night. Look at Judas. Let's look at Judas for a minute. I hope I'm not sound like I'm everywhere. I'm just, this is really dear to my heart, guys. This is personal to me because I need y'all to hear my heart. I need you to understand where we're coming from and what, what we believe here, where we, we stand. If Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, why did he keep him in the circle? Why did he keep him in the circle of his closest companions when he knew that Judas was going to betray him? Among the many disciples who followed him, Jesus designated 12 to be the closest to him to share and continue his mission. And Jesus was very, very he was very serious when he, he formed his 12. Because he had, he had many people to choose from, right? But he selected 12. 
There had to be a moment, right? There, there had to be a moment that when Jesus was with, or when he was selecting him, or when he was with this 12, there had to be a moment where he knew that one. Oh, he's going to be the one that's going to betray you. We're talking about love, right? We're talking about what does love look like. Judas began to change his attitude. See, this is when you know discord comes in. Attitudes begin to change. Jesus begins to recognize that his, his attitude begins to change. Judas then becomes distant. No longer does he want to come to the gatherings. Hey, where's Judas? I don't know. He just didn't come tonight. He begins to separate himself. He even saw, Jesus even saw that he was going to be the one that was going to hand him over. He was going to be the one that was going to hand him over. The gospel says in John 6, 70, Jesus understood what was happening already in Galilee long before the events ever took place in Jerusalem. Jesus knew in Galilee that Judas was going to be the one to betray him at the cross. Way then, he knew way before. Have you ever thought, like, why, why did he keep him? Like, why didn't, why didn't he? Our natural mind, and, and this is me, God, Lord, help me to be like, more like you. But in my natural mind, if I knew a guy was going to come against me, I'm like, bro, see you later. Like, why am I going to hang with you? If, I, if you knew somebody was about to rip you off, would you go into business with them? I, I mean, probably not. You wouldn't. If you knew somebody was going to be the one that was going to pull the trigger, but Jesus knew. He knew. So why did he keep him so close? And why did he keep him till the end, right? The Gospel of John gives us a really good picture of this. John 6, 70 says this. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you? The twelve and then he says, and one of you is a devil. Jesus answered and said, listen, didn't I choose you? I chose you, and even one of you is a devil. He told them, listen, one of you in here is not for me, but I chose you. The word chose is a key word right here. Not just in this verse, but it's a key word in Bible history. Because it means this. 
God chose Abraham and then he chose Israel to become the chosen people. To be the chosen people. It is God, listen, it is God's choice of election that forms God's people, the people of the covenant. That word choose in this scripture, it's talking about a covenant with God. God chose us. There is a covenant between us and the Father. Jesus chose the disciples. There was a covenant at that time. He said, I choose you to walk with me this season. What makes the covenant unbreakable is that God chooses to love Abraham and his descendants forever. Check this out. That word, that word choose, the covenant part of it. Apostle Paul writes this in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, God's gifts and call are irrevo irrevocable. That means that when Jesus chose Judas, he chose him. He went into covenant with him. He was called by God. The call on Judas' life was irrevocable. They couldn't take that away. And because Jesus is a picture of what God is doing in the covenant, he had to fulfill the same covenant that God did with Abraham. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Are you guys, y'all are quiet, man. Come on, Jesus. Holy Ghost. And Jesus did not wish to do any less. He wanted to do and honor the Father the same way. That's why Judas was stayed. He stayed to the end. Not only was this, Humiliated by the treason of one of his closest companions, he kept on showing him love. He knew and he kept loving Judas. He kept loving Judas. And then he goes to the next part and he goes so low that he begins to wash the feet of the very person that was going to betray him. He walked in the lowest part of humility to show love against the very people, the very person that was going to put him in betrayal. Jesus. And then... He shared a piece of bread at the very end. Right before the betrayal. But this is what it says. 
In John 1.5 it says that the light shines in the darkness. And even Judas in the very darkest time of his life, when they reached for that bread, the very darkest time of his life, it says that the glory of God still shined upon him. It says the light shines in the darkness. In the darkness. The Gospel of John 13, in John chapter 13, 31 says this. Jesus was glorified. Listen to the, oh gosh, come on. I want you to get this. Jesus was glorified at that moment when he gave his love to Judas. Those that attack you, those that come against you, those that persecute you, those that bring lies against you, those that spew poison about you, those that speak untruths about you, when you choose to love, it brings glory to God. It says that Jesus was glorified. We, he was glorified the moment that he gave love to Judas. When he loved him without gaining anything by it and all beyond all measures. In the darkest of night of resentment and hatred, Jesus manifested the most unbelievable radiance. The unbelievable radiance of the Lord. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Because what does your love look like today? Does your love come with a checklist? If I do something to you, does it make you love me any less? If somebody does something to you, somebody around, people that you don't know. See, it's real easy for me to love my child. My blood. But what about our brothers and sisters? What about those people that, that are on the streets? The moment I do something and the moment I fail, do I disqualify from your love? Because if I do, then your love is tainted. Because love is patient and love is kind. Love does not dishonor. Jesus. Is your love conditional? If you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
Oh, but the moment you don't scratch my back the way I like it, I'm out of here. Have we become professional Christians? Has the body of Christ in the, in the world become professional Christians? That we get so in this, this world of technology and social media that we can get on a Facebook Live or a Periscope video and we can talk about love, love, love. And outwardly we're all about love, but inwardly we're so tainted. And our heart is so impure. What's our love walk look like? What does our love love walk look like? I say this a lot because I may say things that you may not agree with. I may do things that you might not agree with, and that's okay. You don't have to like me. But you do have to love me. That's what the Word says. I don't have to like you, the things that you're doing. But I do have to love you the way Christ loved the church. The way Christ loved the church. You see, God is love. That's the answer. God is love. And God's love is one with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to move in God's love, you have to walk in the Spirit. Let's close in this. Let's turn to Galatians 5. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit. And we know this scripture really well. I'm going to start at verse 16. Because if we walk in love and we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit of God is love. And everything we'll do will come from a place of love. And it says... I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, uh, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passion and the desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Chapter 6. Brethren, if a man overtakes... Let me see this word. No, that's it. I'm going to stop right there. If we're led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit is love, then we walk in the Spirit. Let's stand. My heart has been broken seeing such an onslaught against the body and the bride, against believers and brothers and sisters coming against each other in the name of love. Love covers. Love protects. Love corrects. Love leads to repentance. So this morning, I just want us to evaluate our own self and ask the Lord, Lord, is my love conditional? Lord, if, if I've been guilty, God, of expectations or, or a false love or a tainted love, God, against my brothers and my sisters, God, or maybe a family member, Father, I repent. I repent now, God. If I've done something that's not in your heart or out of, out of, out of order, Lord. Father, give us hearts pure to love our brothers and our sisters, God. Give us hearts to, to have compassion for those who have, have fallen, God. You say that a righteous man falleth seven times and he gets back up, God. Father, I thank you for those that, that are going to be restored in the hour, God. Father, I thank you for the correction that you're bringing. I thank you for the, for the restoration that you're bringing to the body, God. I thank you for what you're doing, God, worldwide, Lord. But God, right now, I'm speaking for even those in this room, those that are watching on media, that we would check our own hearts, God. If I've ever formed an opinion, if I've ever spoken a word against somebody, my brother, my sister, my leaders, my family members, God, if my actions have spoken differently, If I say I love somebody, but I continually keep hurting them. God, make us right, Lord. And if that's you, just begin to, right there where you're at, just begin to repent to the Lord. Let the Lord hear your heart. Father, there's anything, God, that's not of you, Lord.
that you would remove those areas, God. Lord, teach us how to love like you love, God, unconditionally, Lord. Lord, mold our hearts, God, to look like you, Jesus. Lord, I ask even now, even for myself, God, please, God, I ask for your compassion for people that, are, that, are, that attack, that hurt our brothers, that are hurting people around the world. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, I just ask that, that we would see a love revival, God. Your love, God. Not a distorted view of love, God. Not a not a, an opinion of love, God. Not a, 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 a Facebook live of love, God. But a real, tangible presence, God, of your love, Lord. Mold us, Lord. Shape us, Lord. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.